Well, good day, everyone, or good noon, I should say, and welcome to an FS Club webinar, which is going to be quite interesting, uh, particularly in today's times where we're trying to figure out how to square uh, making employees uh, motivated, uh, keeping them around, and handling our finances. So we're going to be looking at how to ensure all employee share plans remain relevant. And our guests today uh, from Equinity are Graham Bull and Jennifer Rudman. Uh, just before we get on to the presentation today, I'm Michael Minelli. I'm the executive chairman of Zen Group, uh, and we run the ESOP Center with the help of uh, Malcolm, Fred, and Juliet. And it is my delight, really, to be able to present today because we have a lot to get through. Uh, my job is really to get out of your way, uh, and the keynote address uh, by uh, Jennifer and Graham take about 20 minutes, and there's a lot of time. Uh, for some questions and answers. So I encourage you to use the GoToWebinar facility, please, uh, to ask questions. Please don't email me questions because uh, my email's not on and I will only get them afterwards. Uh, use the facility here and I will try and organize the questions to create a good discussion uh, with Jennifer and Graham uh, about these share plans. Uh, just before I hand over to them, uh, a word of thanks to our sponsors. It's a genuine and sincere word of thanks because what's great about our sponsors is their breadth and range across technology, finance, and social purpose, and how they actually let us uh, work on a variety of topics uh, with no editorial control whatsoever, uh, which is superb. And it allows us to tackle, I think, subjects that other people don't tackle quite as much. Uh, so with no further ado, I'm going to move over uh, to uh, both uh, Jennifer and Graham. And Graham, I believe you're going to kick off. Is that correct? Yeah, that's, that's correct, Michael. Thank you. And um, good afternoon, everyone. Um, and you're absolutely right. These are strange times. Um, so just a bit about Aquinity um, and what we do. Um, we provide services to many of the best known companies, including BT, Lloyds Banking Group, Tesco's, National Grid and Marks and & Spencers. And our vision is to help businesses and individuals succeed, as well as creating positive experiences for the millions of people who rely on us. EQ has five main divisions and one relevant to this webinar is our boardroom business which provides a range of services shown here on the right. Jen and I will be talking about the SOI and SIP products provided under our all-employee share plan business. Next slide, please. As you can imagine, we're very proud to be known as UK leading provider of share register and share plan services, based on both number of participants and market share. And we work with approximately 40% of the FTSE 250. And in fact, we are a FTSE 250 company ourselves. We've been a share plan provider for over 40 years now, and we are exceptionally proud of our strong client fidelity and retention. Whilst our client base has a strong UK feel, we've seen our clients expand globally. So we've responded to that by growing ourselves, and we now have a presence around the world, including US, India, and Europe. Whilst we move to the next slide, do you have anything to add, Jen? Only that Graham and I have worked for Aquinity for over 30 years each and not only have experience in administering the share plans but we participate in equinity share plans too so we can look at this from uh, different viewpoints including as an employee as a shareholder and as an administrator yeah thanks jen and uh, we certainly have been tra tracking the equinity share price during these uh, recent times <laughs> um Okay, a bit about the plans themselves. So SAY was introduced in 1980 and they reached their 40th anniversary recently. And it is a product that have got me interested and ultimately hooked into the industry. The scheme from a participant's point of view is probably one of the best and safest financial products out there today. 
The scheme involves employees saving up to £500 a month for three or five years, and typically we see this as a three-year of being the most popular. With an option at the end of that period to buy shares at a discount of up to 20% based on the share price at the start of savings contract. This is known as the option price, and the discount offered is really the reason why this is great from a financial point of view. But why it's also regarded as the safest. The beauty of this plan is that if the share price falls over the savings period, this is sometimes called an underwater option. Employees can just take their money back, making this a low risk way of saving to buy shares in the company they work for. So you can see why this is so popular. Now on to the share incentive plan. This plan was introduced in 2000, so why it's not as as old as the SAYE, it is well established. An employee can elect to buy shares in the company with a deduction from gross salary. The company can choose to award some additional shares in proportion to the shares bought, and these are known as matching shares. The company can also award free shares, which replace the old profit sharing for, for, for those of us who are old enough to remember the old profit sharing schemes. As action, actual shares are awarded or purchased immediately, dividends are paid straight away. There is a minimum holding period of three years for both matching and free shares, and the shares must be held for five years in order to gain full tax advantages, which has been subject to many discussions at recent times as it felt that period should be shortened. Over the next few slides, I want to show how popular these plans have been using HMRC's national statistics and some statistics collated by share plan administrators. This chart shows a number of companies that offer a SIP, that's the orange line and the SAYE, that's the blue line. The dotted line is the average over that period. Whilst this shows that there are increases and decreases over that period, there are not huge swings. And in my experience, it is a pretty stable group. In essence, when a company has set up a plan, they tend to stick with it. And now many companies are offering both a SIP and SAYE. We've seen that with the impact of COVID, the launch of SAYE and SIP plans have been under spotlight, with companies reviewing what should be happening with them. In the main, we're seeing companies continue with their usual launch, with a general assumption that share price will improve again in the future, so recognising the benefit of this to their employees. Some companies that were due to launch a plan for the first time did delay this initially, and many of these are now back in the planning stage. The one area that COVID, for me, has highlighted is the five-year tax holding period in respect of the free shares, suggesting that the SIP tax sort of advantage um, period of five years is just too long, with a number of companies choosing a non-tax efficient route to reward their employees, with free shares being given under a conditional share award, for example, with a holding period of 12 months, 18 months. The fact that over 1,000 companies run either a SIP or SAY proves to me that it's still highly valued today. Next slide, please. This graph is on participation rates. What I know from my experience is that there are two different types of behaviours. Call repeat users. As one scheme finishes, they reinvest the same amount into a new scheme. Many of these will use this as purely a saving plan. Then you get your market influencers. This group will happily pull out schemes that are underwater and reinvest the money into new, cheaper schemes for the future. For example, in the assumed lower market we have today caused by COVID crisis, we've seen some large withdrawals, but more so we've seen some record number of participation rates for new launches. What this tells me is employees have a belief in the future state of the company and that share prices will rise and hopefully they will make some money. For example, Smith's group, a technology and engineering business, 
Their latest SRI launch in April attracted 54% of its eligible employees to join. And they now have six in every 10 employees participating in a plan. The option price was set at just over £9, with the current share price now at £13. That's a 44% profit. Another example, BT, launched their SRI plan in May, and they've seen a 30% rise in participation compared to last year and a staggering 47% increase in savings value. With an option price of 92p for their three-year plan and 82p for their five-year plan, and a current share price of around £1.20, they could also be looking at sizable gains come maturity. And don't forget, with SAYE, employees do have the reassurances that they can get their money back if the share price falls. With SIP, we've seen a slight increase in those joining the plans, suggesting that participants want to take advantage of the current stock market. But it is early days and data is not always consistent. Next slide, please. This next slide looks at the initial value of shares awarded at each launch. This chart was interesting to me. What I found is that there is a correlation to the stock market in that, the, in that when the FTSE falls, we tend to see a peak in participation rates and investment increases. The peak in 2015 and 16 you see here coincides with the FTSE 100 index fall for the same period, which was known as the investor's stock market sell-off, which went from 7,000 to just under 6,000 points. And you see again that in 2017, um, you'll see that rates tend to fall. However, the stock market actually rose to 7,200 points, which is in contrast to the chart we're looking at here. So in conclusion, what does these stats actually mean? To me, it shows that SAY and STIP are still very, very much valued and are relevant and popular with both issuers and employees today. Participants are aware of the market and will respond as such. However, there is still a large group of employees that don't participate, either because they don't understand them, or worse still, they don't know they exist. Jen will now cover off these challenges and other barriers to a successful share plan. Over to you, Jen. Thank you. Thanks, Graham. Um, so over the next three slides, I want to look firstly at some of the things that companies consider when deciding to launch a new all-employee share plan, some of the challenges they face. Next, I'll have a look at some of the things that can have a positive influence on these share plans. And thirdly, some suggestions about how the plans could be changed in the future to make them even more popular. So next slide, please. Um, so for some of the challenges, uh, the first set relates to companies. There are, of course, costs with running share plans. And in addition to setup costs, there are ongoing costs for administration. Additionally, the plan shares will need sourcing either from a new issue of shares or using shares already held in an EBT. Um, that's an employment benefit trust. And again, there's a cost to the company for doing this. With share incentive plans, shares are put into a SIP trust as soon as free and matching shares are awarded. Uh, though with purchase shares, these are often market purchased using the employee's salary deductions. With SAYE, most shares are issued at the end of the three or five year savings period, though there is an accounting impact for granting options. Uh, and for SAYE, the fair value of an option is treated as an expense through IFRS2 reporting. There are other considerations and where a company has a global structure, implementing a UK tax advantage plan may mean that employees based in other countries may expect a benefit of a similar nature. And indeed, there are a number of companies who set up international SAYE type plans 
or international purchase schemes or indeed provide international free share awards. Um, and just for private companies, there's also a requirement to obtain a shares and assets valuation through HMRC. Uh, and a further consideration where new issue shares are being used, this relates to dilution. So a company should not issue more than 10% of the issued ordinary share capital in any rolling 10-year period, of which executive schemes should not exceed 5%. So headroom or dilution needs to be considered if using new issued shares. So just moving across to the second column and employment status, uh, employees and directors can be invited to join tax advantage share plans. However, the company may use agency staff or those categorised as self-employed and contractors who may therefore not be able to join the plan as they're not regarded as employees. And in addition, a whole section of employees, those working in the public sector are excluded from these plans as there are no company shares. So moving on from an employee point of view, from research carried out, we do know that the key reasons for not joining it are linked to a lack of spare income to purchase shares, concerns about shares declining in value, and it may be that they've already had some experience with previous share price falls. They may have a fear of owning shares and the associated risks, or they don't expect to be with the company long enough to benefit. Additionally, they may have other arrangements for their savings or just not interested in participating or don't understand the plan. So next slide, please, because it would be good to look on how to overcome some of these challenges. Um, so what are some of the positive influences? Well, we often see companies when first listed on the stock exchange through an IPO, so an initial public offer, looking at introducing an all-employee share plan as a way of incentivizing their employees, and in some cases with an award of free shares to thank their employees for helping get the company to listing. Also, internal pressure from employees asking for share plans can be a very positive influence. The next point on the slide about national insurance contributions is an interesting one in relation to share incentive plans. Employees contributing to a SIP have deductions from gross salary, which means that not only do employees benefit from NIC savings, but employees have NIC savings too. And those savings can be important when justifying the cost of a SIP. Uh, there are also corporation tax deductions available for the costs of the plans. Um, in relation to employment statement status and enabling as many employees as possible to join, some of the things that can help include having a short eligibility period before employees can participate. And certainly with SAYE, where there is often an annual invitation, having a short eligibility period is common, uh, with over 60% of com companies having a period of three months or less. Uh, another thing to consider with a group structure and a number of group companies are the subsidiaries that are invited to join and enabling as many as possible to become participating companies will help. And then just moving across to employees, some of the things that can encourage employees to participate are having the full 20% option discount for SAYE and having a strong matching ratio for SIPs. Having an award of free shares will, of course, extend participation, especially where the free shares are awarded uh, on an opt-out basis rather than asking employees to opt in to receive those free shares. Um, one thing 
um, that has changed recently in relation to SAAYE was extending the savings payment holiday so employees can choose to temporarily stop contributions for up to 12 months, overcoming the worry about affordability, for example, where someone is working variable hours. So uh, next slide, please. So for this third link slide, we want to look back, uh, well, look at some ideas about how to supercharge these plans and make them even more popular. So the first set of ideas are around how to encourage all employee, uh, how to encourage all companies to offer an all employee plan. So in effect, setting an expectation that broad based plans should be offered by all companies. So how do you do that? Well, some ideas that have been discussed include asking companies to make it transparent if they don't offer an all-employee plan. So, in effect, asking them to explain why they don't provide an all-employee plan. Uh, another idea that has been suggested previously is to provide additional corporation tax benefits for companies with these plans. Uh, and a further suggestion is, how, is somehow to enable all employees to automatically be opted into a share plan uh, with an opt-out facilities. Uh, so following pension auto-enrollment type principles. Uh, and then in relation to employment status, it would be good to review whether the rules could be changed to extend eligibility to more classes of workers. So Graham, what do you think of these ideas and can they work? Um, certainly applying some kind of pressure to nudge companies to provide an all-employee plan would, would help. Um, I, I'm not sure that we could go as far as forcing companies to do it. Um, out of fairness, um, if there is an executive plan in place, then, then why shouldn't all employees also have some kind of share ownership stake too? Um, regarding auto-enrollment, that will certainly uh, increase take-up and help promote the plans from a financial well-being point of view. But there are a couple of things that need to be ironed out here, in, in, in my view, such as determining the level of savings for an auto-enrollment to apply. Um, and which product do you also apply that to? Um, with SAYE and its low-risk nature, employees will always be able to get their savings back, um, though SIP is, is obviously a, a different matter. And, and re-corporation tax incentives, um, that would obviously be fantastic. Um, that was, with, with most things, persuading the Chancellor as to its benefits will be uh, key, key for that one, I think. Jennifer, um, so, uh, somebody out here in the audience is just kind of curious about, uh, could you just explain what you meant by set a common minimum expectation? Was that uh, events through, throughout society or did you mean with government? Or just what we have for there. Uh, amongst companies. So some so, companies, a lot of companies do already provide these plans, but there are some that don't. So it's trying to build up an expectation that uh, like company peer pressure, that it, we should be expected that companies provide a, an all employee plan. Uh, most most companies do have executive plans, but not all of them have all employee plans. So it's to build that general feeling that companies should have an all employee plan. Thank you. I think just to just to add to that a little bit as well is that and if they don't, there may be good reasons why they're not. Um, but actually, then to come forth and actually um, you know, explain explain that away, explain why they're that they're not providing such an all-employee share plan. I mean, it may be that they want to push all their benefits benefits into um, other um, things that the company wants to provide, such as cash. So they're, they're, they're the sort of things that, that that we're trying to to bring out here. Great. 
Um, just on some other ideas then, uh, well, one of the key ones that we've been asked for for many, many years is the change to share incentive plans. Uh, at the moment, you have to hold shares for five years before the full tax benefits are earned, and reducing the tax-free period to three years would act as a great stimulus and also brings the time period in line with the other three-year savings period for SAY and also aligns with discretionary plans that tend to be a minimum of three years too. Yeah, and, and nowadays I think that new employees don't see themselves as working for a company for, for say, five years. And in fact, some are, you know, slightly encouraged not to in order to gain experience. Um, so yes, a three-year term is, in my mind, a little bit more aligned to, to maybe employees' expectation. And again, Jennifer, if you wouldn't mind, just uh, somebody's asking uh, on extending the good lever provisions. What are they at the moment? And what were you proposing to extend them to? Um, right. So I'm just going to come on to explaining about the, the good and bad lever principles. So basically, um, there is a concept about employees who leave for reasons such as retirement and redundancy. And they're the ones that we classify as good levers versus someone who resigns and is classified as a bad lever. So whereas good levers can benefit from their share plan on leaving, bad levers often don't get the full benefits. So one of the suggestions is it would be helpful to bring in some kind of flexibility so that companies, if they wish to, can extend the good lever benefits to employees who resign. Thank you. Chen, did you want to talk around the um, look-back facility on SAYE? Yeah. Um, so one last thing that we would like to propose, and one that is relevant today and supported by the ESOP Centre, relates to SAYE and how the option price is determined. So currently the option price is set at the plan's invitation with up to a 20% discount to the current market price. Uh, the fair value of the option is then accounted for over the savings term under IFRS 2. And if the share price rises over the three or five year savings term and there is a gain at maturity, there can be value against the IFRS 2 charge. Plus, there could be a corporation tax deductions for the difference between the shares market value and option price. Um, however, where there is a fall in the company's share price, the scheme will be underwater. And in these instances, employees don't buy shares under option and just take back their savings. So there are no gains, even though there has been an IFRS2 charge. So the proposal we have is to set the option price at maturity and set the maximum number of shares under option. And then just prior to the scheme's maturity, reset the option price if it's underwater. So we're referring to this as SAYE look back. Mm. So basically what we're saying here is that unless there is a sudden drop in the share price at maturity, there will always be a gain and, and people will stay in, engaged. I mean, certainly I can see the positives in that. Um, there will certainly be fewer withdrawals and hence no acceleration of the IFRS2 charge, um, which is highly, highly penalising in a falling market. Um, I can see this being very popular to all parties. Um, so, Jen, out of everything that you've um, spoke about there, what would you put top of your list? Well, um, I think I'd love for companies to have a tax incentive to run an all-employee plan. And reducing the tax-free period for SIPs to three years is something that we've wanted for such a long time. I think right now, and with the impact of COVID, I think the SAY look back just about tops my list. Yeah, well, I tell you what, you, you take the SOI look back. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna stick with the SIP. 
and reducing the SIP, SIP tax-free period. So that means both plans get a get a bit of a boost or a supercharge, as you, as you said earlier. Michael, we'll, we'll ask for you uh, for your favourite uh, when we get to the Q and A section, if that's okay. I'll be ready. Uh, <laughs> um, that takes us nicely on to uh, next slide, please. Sorry, that takes us nicely on to how to make a, a success of a current plan. Um, for me, leadership is is absolutely key. Um, an active interest by the CEO and uh, the leadership team is so important. Guy Wakeley, who is our CEO, is very active during a launch period, promoting the scheme and its benefits. And this really helps employees read the communication, um, understand the plan. And ultimately, what we really want them to do is be able to make an informed choice. Um, having a strong consultation phase is also a top tip. Um, you know, to get employees involved in this process um, will help you come up with the best ways to communicate, both in terms of what to say and how best to say it. This I also find to be the most exciting part of the process as it drives new ideas and new thinking. Um, next comes the creation phase, and this starts to bring your previous thinking together and the comms start to really take shape. The final part is the actual delivery, agreeing who, how, the timing, and the types of channels to use. The variety is, is endless. Um, you can use brochures, promotional work, emails, the use of web graphics, microsites and animation, roadshows and employee presentations, um, which should really be run by planned champions. Use of internal systems to aid messaging or the good old fashioned way of using magazines and company newsletters, all can be used. It is important to remember that as you go through the consult, create, deliver phases, that you throw back to the challenges that Jen mentioned earlier that you need to overcome. Highlight the fact that you can save from as little as five pounds a month. State how many others are in the plan already. They, they, they often feel safe in numbers. And how they have benefited. Use case studies where possible. Keep things simple and segment mailings into group recipients to make it look more personalized. All these things tend to work really well. Next slide, please. Sorry, Jen, as we move on, was there anything you wanted to add to those top tips? Uh, only about word of mouth and peer pressure uh, and discussion. I think it's really, really good to get people talking um, and especially where people haven't joined plans before. Having a discussion with somebody that work that they work for or with um, is really, really important. And certainly from my point of view, that's how I joined um, the plans right, right at the beginning, you know, years and years ago, because my manager said, you don't have a choice, I have to join. So yeah, a bit of peer pressure works. I think the same was for you as well, wasn't it, Graham? Yeah, no, yeah, no you're absolutely right. I think I remember working on a, a bank of uh, a team of six, a bank of six desks um, is on the old Abbey National flotation from from memory. And um, the, the managers come around and said, you must sign this bit of paper. And at the time, I didn't have a lot of money, but uh, I was really glad in the end that I was forced to do it. And it was the reason why I got into employee share plans, as I mentioned earlier. So, uh, yeah, no, it's uh, I completely agree. Peer pressure sometimes is, is the right way forward. Um, but, but personally, you know, these have been going for 40 years. I think they've got wonderful benefits. Um, question is, will it be here for the next 40 years? I know you've got a bit of nostalgia, haven't you, Jen? You want to slide on the next, next slide? Yeah. So just on this next slide, I'm not sure if you can actually read this, but this HM Treasury document goes back to 1993 when Norman Lamont was Chancellor of the Exchequer. Uh, and this document states that successful companies depend on having committed, motivated employees and companies find that the best way is to give employees a stake in the business. 
Um, certainly within that booklet, there was a case study uh, about Sainsbury's who are still running their share plans today, including both SAYE and SIP. So uh, next slide, please. So I think you've probably heard from both Jen and I now um, for, for, for a while and, and really, you know, hopefully you've, you've seen the remarkable benefits that these schemes provide. Um, and obviously, as it's been my work in life for the last 30 years, I'm going to have to say that, yes, that these plans will continue for another 40 years. But I do think uh, we do need a few tweaks and support by the Chancellor. And I believe we could make them even better um, in, than they are today. Um, next slide, please. And um, I think back to you now, Michael. Wow. Well, that was a heck of a, a tour de force, both of you. Well done. We covered a lot of ground and clearly a tremendous amount of audience uh, interest here. Um, just to kick off, uh, there are quite a few comments here. Um, there's a question, I think it's directed at uh, you, Jennifer, if you don't mind. It had to do with headroom. Would you just mind explaining that term to the audience? Um, in relation to um, companies and issuing newly issued shares, you, you've got this 10% this limit over a 10-year period. So if the company has already been launching plans for a number of years, they've obviously, uh, and they've been issuing new shares as part of those plans, they've been using up that 10% limit over a period of time. So Headroom then links back to what, what amount of shares are left that they can newly issue. Uh, and what some companies do is if they do do a, a, a new SAY plan, they may set aside a certain number of shares um, that they'll uh, they'll grant for that plan. Uh, and what they can do is put that into the launch documentation to say, oh, there's two million shares that are available for this launch. And if the subscriptions are over that amount, then they they do what they call a scale back. So if somebody applies to save £100, they may be scaled back to £80 so that they've got enough newly issued shares at the end of the plan to satisfy all the shares that are under that option. Uh, so that's the kind of headroom um, for for a company. There is a lower level headroom which relates to employees um, and SAY. So there is a maximum amount that they can save per month. So if they're already saving £200 in a plan, their headroom then for the next launch would be £300. So there's two levels of headroom there. Okay. Um, Graham, there's a question here. I, I think I think this might be you, but it might, might also be Jennifer, but you use the term underwater. Um, could yeah. you just give an illustration of that, as opposed to do define it, but also an illustration of it? Yeah, yeah of course. So um, let's take it a very, very uh, simple um, share price today. Um, let's just take it as one pound twenty. And if the at, at the point of the award they choose to use the full twenty percent discount, you would actually get an option price of one pound. If during the three-year journey um, that share price was to drop and say it dropped to 50 pence, you are now 50p underwater. So 50p under the option price. So that is the term underwater. Um, at that point, it would not really be um, in your interest to um, exercise your option um, and to acquire shares at the one pound because actually you could go into the marketplace and buy them for 50 pence. Obviously, we hope, and so in that case, what you do is you'd ask for your money back. Hopefully, what we do see is it may drop for a period of time underwater, but by the time you reach three years or five years, we hope that that share price would have increased to £1.50. So therefore, you would then be buying shares, and that's called above water. Therefore, you would then be buying shares at £1, 
and hopefully then trading them out at £1.50, making a 50p gain per share. So that's that's the idea of the scheme. And what I, as I said before, in, in the, the beauty of this is if you are in an underwater position at the point of the three years, at the point of maturity or five years, you can just take your money back. And I think that's that's what makes this one of the most safest products on the marketplace. Uh, and it's one of the things that's really relevant at the moment, obviously, with COVID and, and the the dip in the share prices. So um, the number of companies who had above water options at the end of uh, the 2019 compared with the number that then went uh, underwater, say in March and April time, there was a significant change uh, and quite a, a number of companies now have underwater options. But there is a period of six months in which you can exercise your options. So hopefully within the next four or five months, some of the prices will go up. But certainly at the moment, there are a number of underwater options. Mm -hmm. um, There's a question here as well uh, about furlough. Um, when staff are furloughed, does that affect their status? Um, HMRC did um, confirm this quite recently, but employees on furlough, um, their salary is being paid through payroll, and so they can still participate in SAY and SIP. Uh, the only thing is, uh, you know, if they're on 80% salary, there is an affordability issue potentially for some people. But uh, at the moment, no, they, they can still continue um, participating in both those plans because of furlough, which is good. I mean, I think the, the change will come at the end of furlough uh, and then there may be a bit of a change in that situation. Um, Graham, a question for you. In your opening comments, you made a, a remark that the money was always there, you know, that you, you couldn't lose money. And uh, one of our viewers is, well, where's it being held? How do I know the money is safe? So, um, yeah, there's, there's two elements to share save. You've got the savings contract and then you've got the holding of options. So um, we actually hold the options as, a, as an administrator. But the savings contract is taken out with a, a bank, a savings carrier bank that is approved. Now, um, the ones that we use is Lloyd's Banking Group. Um, so they would hold the funds. And therefore, there is um, uh, a contract between the individual and, uh, and the bank. And it is fully F FSCS um, protected. Great. Um, I've got a question here. Um, this uh, I'll read it out. It's, it's actually from Fred Hackworth, who composes Newspad, but I think it's a really interesting discussion question. How can the shares uh, for salary concept best be implemented in those UK companies who are planning to cut their payrolls as soon as the government's jobs, job subsidy schemes are run down? And I think in a spirit of candor, I, I certainly know a lot of companies who said, well, I'll, I'll leave people on furlough, but I'm not 100% sure what I'm going to do when this runs out and it's not looking very good. Um, so appreciate yeah, some thoughts. Perhaps, perhaps you can kick off. Yeah, I think uh, Jen mentioned it earlier um, around the good lever uh, reason. So she, she mentioned the fact that retirement, redundancy, um, are a good lever option. So what that means is that people then can you know, use the savings they've had to date to then exercise, or if you're in the SIP, the savings and the shares that you've acquired can then be readily available to you tax-free. So I, I completely appreciate what, what you're saying there, but, but I think these plans have got a built-in lever reason, which says that if the event that, that companies need to restructure um, or, or um, reduce in size, um, then if they did so and they did it through the right means, um, through redundancy, etc., then 
um, ab absolutely these people would still benefit. So even if they've only got six months worth of savings at, at that point at a 20% discount, um, they would, would benefit from that. So I, d I don't think that's, I, th I think the schemes have these lever reasons built already in them that will give companies the flexibilities to feel that they can launch today, even if they know there is a possibility in the future that they may have to restructure due to the economic impact of, of COVID and whatever may be coming next. And of course, because we're looking at the five-year rule anyway, the, the sooner you get started, uh, assuming that there's no improvement to that. Yeah, absolutely. You're right there, Michael. Yeah, as soon as you start, then you can your three-year or your five-year um, horizons. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Well, one of the good things about the good lever reason under SIP, for example, um, they are good levers and they don't they they can exit the plan tax-free. So, uh, you know, for, for good levers, there is no requirement to have to hold on to the shares for the three or five years. In fact, they have to come out of the plan. But because they have to come out of the plan and they're a good lever, they don't lose the tax benefits. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that's one of the one of the good things. I, I think there's a, another point here around what we're seeing with companies and cash retention. They're certainly looking at different ways of keeping cash within the company at the moment. Uh, and we've got a whole number of companies who are using their share plans as a way of rewarding employees or, in fact, paying uh, out in shares rather than cash. Um, so we've got some companies who are giving out conditional share awards in place of part of their salary. So there are different ways of using share plans at the moment um, to either reward employees or because of cash retention reasons. Um, that you know are really quite interesting. I think there'd be quite a number of case studies that come up over the years on how share plans were used over this period of time. Um, Following up, that plays right into a couple of comments here. Um, I'm going to try and shape them because they're, they're a bit disparate, but I think the basic thrust is something along the lines of, in your experience, both of you, because you've seen this, and uh, what you just mentioned effectively, Jennifer, which is the uh, the fact this is part of overall compensation, so I can easily say to somebody, you're, you're getting shares, you're getting a scheme, but I'm expecting to see a little bit of a reduction in actual cash outflow. Um, do you Are there any norms in this space? We've, and I know that every scheme is different, the companies are different, the share valuations are all different, but you know, I put a scheme like this in place, I'm extremely generous, Do I should I expect any salary reduction or... Should I be able to say to employees, I'd expect to see five, ten, something like that? Is there any, are there any norms? Uh, I, I've been looking at about eight recently, and every single one is structured slightly differently. So it really, really depends on you know what the company is looking to achieve, whether it's the reward or whether it's cash retention or whether it's um, instead of paying out uh, cash bonuses, they're paying out uh, share bonuses instead. So there, there isn't any actual norm at the moment, I have to say. Uh, everybody's coming up with creative ideas, which is good. Um, it's a bit more broad-ranging question uh, here uh, from a, uh, a fairly frequent listener who I, I think is always good on the, the geopolitical issues. But he points out that um, Sustainable Development Goal 10, which is about reducing inequality, uh, clearly features in this sort of sharing, caring capitalism uh, that people like to talk about. Uh, do you think employers are missing a trick um, in others expecting post-COVID to see a lot of reaction in the public mind about uh, companies that 
employers should be doing this simply as part of reducing inequality and showing that we're all in it together. Well, that's definitely a theme that we, we would like to promote. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think these plans are all employee plans. So by nature of their name, it suggests to me that it, it should be open and, and freely available to, to all employees. Um, and I think the, the savings levels that, that are applied to these plans now means that you know, five pounds, it, it is it is affordable. Mm. So I'm. Yeah, I'm, I'm very much of the view that these, these things are great. Um, and we've got to get, we've got to get people recognizing, um, these plans, um, and using them as much as they can, because I do believe they can generate, um, an increase in wealth, um, which has got to be a good thing, um, across, across the nation. Uh, we've got time for just two, two questions. Sorry, sorry, Jennifer. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say one of the other benefits um, is around you you're encouraging people you know, like Graham and I. We started when we first joined uh, and there, there's this whole thing about getting into the culture of saving. Uh, and I think we really need to be going back to that, get, getting people encouraging into saving um, because there is a huge amount of stress out there related to financial worries. So, you know, if you get people into these plans, they, they can save over a, you know a three-year period and actually see some kind of reward of it but it's just getting them into that habit in the first place yeah and i think just sorry to to, to labor the point i mean what we also seen is that people who are joining these plans um when they come up to the next launch they then add a little bit more and they add a little bit more they don't they don't tend to go for the four or five hundred because you know, not everyone's <laughs> of the position that can afford that but what they're able to do is just push that a little bit more um, and therefore, their savings levels may go from £20 to, to up to £50 over the case of you know, three or four years. Um, and then they start to get some sizable returns, especially during periods of time of, of stock market growth. Yeah, it was interesting for me to see Norman Lamont's signature there. It was a bit of a blast <laughs> from the past because yeah. it was just after that period from the first privatizations in 84, uh, where they were almost at the, the high point of was then shareholder capitalism, but I, I happen to think that the whole shareholder capitalism concept of you know spreading wealth across society and getting people engaged in the economy, and I'm not a big fan of the word capitalist, but you know the, the markets mm. is, is a good one, and uh, we seem to be coming back to that. Um, but we've got two more questions quickly. Then, uh, and the first one um, is it, a bit contentious in a way, uh, pointing out basically that uh, let's take Enron and the U.S. and we had all these 401ks and they increased concentration. So the employees found that they had far too much in the company. Uh, do you not feel that this is encouraging that or what's your response to that? Well, SAY, you're, you're kind of okay because, you know, if the share price dips, you've got that kind of low risk element of it as well. And certainly under share incentive plans, you're right. And some of the values for some of the employees who have been in it for quite a long time, you can be looking at maybe 150,000 pounds worth of shares within their share incentive plan. So what Graham and the team have been doing is um, making sure that when necessary, we run programs under the SIP to um, promote the fact that you know available shares are there and they can be sold and uh, diversification is a good thing so you're absolutely right you know putting all your what has we used to say eggs in one basket is not always the right thing to do and certainly you know a 
periods like this where the share price has fallen and you've got, you know, some kind of perceived loss within the SIP, even though that you can hold on to them for a period of time, it, it does bring it to the forefront that, you know, it, there is some risk attached to that. Hmm. Yeah, I think the key, the key message here for me is is people need to you know, reg regularly check um, how many shares they've got um, at available status that are built up maybe in the company in which they work um, by checking how much those shares are actually worth. Um, very much like you would do with your bank account, really, um, and your online banking. Portals are there now that, that enables people to do that. And I think there's lots of products, um, either at maturity or post-vesting, that people can use to diversify that investment, um, moving them into ISAs and into um, LISAs, etc. So for, for me, um, it's around education, um, and that's where it's key. Come back to this communication again. So we've talked about here communication at launch. It's equally as important to talk around that communication at maturity, making sure that everybody understands um, where they're at to enable them to make the right choices for them at that at that time. Yeah, you remind me that one of my favorite authors is Mark Twain, and in the 19th century, he wrote something for the fool saith, uh, "Don't put your eggs all in one basket." Uh, and the wise man, he said, put all your eggs in one basket and watch that basket. <laughs> but, uh, but I, I, I think this is a big tension on, on diversification. I hope to see more, perhaps, in fact, groups of companies allowing employees maybe to diversify into others who share their ethos and things like that. I, I think there's some interesting moves going forward um, because it, it's a tension there. If we're going to adjust the risk-reward basis of the employer employee relationship so that they're aligning in this regard, then they are sharing that kind of risk. We've got to figure out how to diversify it appropriately without ruining that motivation. Anyway, the last question you sent me, um, you know, what would I do? Uh, and I, I just thought I'd answer if you don't mind. Um, I think it was uh, really this idea. I know it's a bit woolly uh, in a sense and a bit vague, and uh, we had a comment about it, but set a co common minimum expectation about broad-based share plans. I mean, I, I think, you know, people are coming in for that kind of final offer interview or these days a final offer Zoom call ought to be saying, where is the share plan? And if on the other side, it ought to be, oops, we haven't got one and we should, or of course we've got one, you know, what responsible employer wouldn't. And I think this is going to become more common uh, personally post-COVID. Uh, as I said earlier, we're going to see, I think, a lot of questions about the role of the economy and the relationship uh, with wider society because wider society has had to dip in and save so many of our businesses uh, through uh, by taking on a lot of those responsibilities. Anyway, those are my thoughts, but uh, just before I close and, and thank everybody appropriately, uh, Jennifer, grab any final comment you'd like to make? Um, just final comment from me is um, I hope that this is kind of encouraged you to have a look at share plans um, because we love them we've, we've been involved with them a long time and we hope that they're going to be there for the next as said 40 years because they are they are a brilliant a way of rewarding employees yeah i, I completely echo that jen and, and obviously if you need an administrator uh, you know where to come <laughs> <laughs> well malcolm hurlston and fred uh hackworth have been uh, promoting this since the esop center began uh decades ago so I'm only here uh, carrying the torch that they carry, uh, and they're still involved. And you'll note that uh, this month's news pad, still uh, edited by Fred, has some amazing uh, articles, and I'm always stunned at 
uh, friends' ability uh, to range widely and freely. And, and most importantly, um, it takes a genuine international perspective. It's not, it's not just about tax and schemes. We also have a series of bulletins, uh, both on the reduced inequalities, the SGG 10 uh, that was referred to in one of the questions, uh, but also just on employee share ownership itself. So you can get a machine uh, learning summary of the key points uh, from leading articles. But it remains uh, for me uh, really to, to thank folks. And if I might, uh, firstly, I'd just like to thank our sponsors again, who are very uh, kind in allowing us uh, to, to <laughs> explore areas that we're interested in. I'd also like uh, to thank you, the audience. We have a series of webinars coming up. Uh, quite interestingly, David Craddock will be talking in some detail about employee share trusts uh, later this week. And we've got a, a whole other thing on awarding shares to employees uh, next month. So there's a lot coming up. Uh, I won't bore you, please visit the website. But it remains to me, if I might, to, on behalf of the audience, I'm afraid in these times of virtuality, I can't uh, open up the screens and let everybody applaud, but we had over 40 people on the line and we, we still have 40 people. Uh, but if I can, I will thank them virtually for you using my little, my, my, my little Buddhist, <laughs> Buddhist uh, audience tapper. Uh, very good. Thank you very much, Jennifer. Thank you very much, Graham. And I uh, would love to have you back perhaps uh, next year or something as we discuss some of these policies going forward. Because I think there are opportunities for the nation to really engage with this in a way that uh, hasn't been going since uh, as strongly since the days of Lamont. So thank you very much for being here. I uh, look forward thank to seeing you again. And thank you, the audience. Uh, take care, everyone. Yeah. And ciao. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay.